This podcast is sponsored by Enriched. Now, if you're a regular listener to the show, then you'll know that I'm not a big fan of Big Pharma. So I do everything I can to try and stay out of their sickness subscription system. And a key component in my daily arsenal is a dose of what I'm calling the White Basement Lion King Super Stack. First, chugga mushroom, known as the king of mushrooms for a reason. Its potent antioxidant, antiviral, immune-supporting properties make it the most studied medicinal mushroom on earth. And although there can be only one king, the king wears a mane, a lion's mane. Brain-boosting, neuron-sharpening, cognition-enhancing, lion's mane is the perfect partner for King Chaga and the second half of the Lion King Super Stack. For me, it's the perfect start to my day helping me to go hard and go home. Go to enriched.co, that's E-N-R-I-C-H-D.co, and use the discount code WHITEBASEMENTPOD to get a 10% discount site-wide. Start your day like a king. Go to Enriched and grab the Lion King Super Stack now. I couldn't go out. I had to go out at night time. Because at nighttime, where I live, there's very few people around. And it was because otherwise I was experiencing this cognitive dissonance. Do you know what I mean? I was walking around in London and it was just like, there was nobody there. Like it was traumatizing. And then going back into the, into the world and like, okay, we're allowed to go shopping or whatever now. And then just seeing how people would like purposefully like stay away. Everyone was absolutely petrified. And I was like, look at what they've done. guys, welcome to another episode of the White Basement Podcast. Tonight I'm joined by Nadine Lee, um, a friend of a friend, mm-hmm. will put me in touch with you. Um, and uh, I think maybe people might generally introduce you by saying that you were on The Voice and this, this, that and the other. But I had a quick look at your Instagram and um, the, the bio line at the top says, um, I'm just a, a soul who's what's what's the line whose intentions are good please oh lord please don't, please let, don't me let me be, be misunderstood. misunderstood that's right why that it's one of my favorite lines from um from any piece of music um and um i don't know you know sometimes you hear lyrics and they just they just sink they just connect with you um and that's that's kind of followed me um ever since i heard it i think i started off in life being very misunderstood um by everybody by my family, um, by, you know, my friends. Like I'm also, I'm half Pakistani, half English. Um, so I kind of had this thing where I was misunderstood by, you know, English people. Whenever I met like Pakistani or like Asian people, they were like, oh, how's it going? They started speaking to me in like, you know, Urdu and stuff. And I'm like, I haven't got a clue what you're saying, mate. So I felt misunderstood by them. Um, and, um, and you know, that, that misunderstanding that that sense of being misunderstood, I think, drove me for for so long um, that I felt like I needed to be heard. I needed to be understood. Needed to be um, what's the word? Validated, I guess. Um, and that kind of put me in so many crazy situations because I think when you when someone has that kind of unhealthy obsession with with anything, um, then crazy behaviour can come. You know, and so 
I remember, I remember sometimes, man, just being hungover, looking at the mess I'd made, you know, the night before, and I'd be like, oh, man, like, but I know I'm a good person, <laughs> you know, somewhere inside me. I knew like I was bad. good, man. Yeah, we'll get into it, man. Don't worry. But um, yeah, I was like, I know I'm good. Like, why do I keep doing this? So, yeah, and I think it's been a theme through through my life. But now. Um, you must have been looking at a bit of an old Instagram page as well there because now my Instagram page says, um, once I was blind, now I can see, you know, um, and that's really um, the motto for, for my life today, you know. Um, Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So so uh, let's go back to the beginning then. <laughs> Start at the beginning. Started when I was about 12, yeah. Um, yeah, um, so I uh, was born... In 1978, um, I uh, my mum my and dad separated when I was quite young. My, my dad was from Pakistan and uh, mum was from Guildford. She was born in Guildford. Um, I was born in Stevenage. Uh, my grandparents were like RAF family. Um, I've been talking about this today actually to, to my family because of the, obviously, um, the passing of the Queen. Um, and watching the funeral, you know, my, my great granddad was a was a grenadier guard, um, so kind of steeped really in like military history. But um, I think somewhere there was some rebels in the family because like that's not been that wasn't my upbringing. I was never, you know, um, around that stuff. I had an uncle who was a punk, like and a rocker. I had another uncle who was like a mod um, and into that kind of stuff. My dad was into Marley and like reggae. And my mum was into Soul Train and like, you know, Motown music and stuff. So I was surrounded by by music um, from as young as I can remember. Um, I don't know where the tape is now, but my mum recorded me at like 21 months old, just like saying stuff like, you know, what does a cow say? Moo. Like, what does a sheep say? Bar. What does Bob Marley say? Woy, oi, oi, oi. <laughs> you know, so like, and, and I was singing some songs and stuff like that. So like music was, um, well, I was steeped in music from, from an early, and lots of different varieties of music as well, you know. Yeah. So um, I had no prejudices really um, around that. But yeah, my dad, um, I think my mum kicked my dad out actually when I, when he was, when I was two years old. And um, so I was seeing him like, you know, the usual kind of weekend dad stuff for a while. Um, and then he just kind of disappeared. And then for about four or five years, came back into my life for a year, then would disappear again. Was constantly in and out of my life. And um, at a time it was really hard to take because, you know, man, like your father is like your hero, right? Um, and uh, I certainly still had that about him and always wanted to just reconnect with my dad somehow, but but never did, you know? Um, and couldn't understand why he wasn't around. Um, and uh, I later found out that that's because, like, I guess a lot of, um, you know, Pakistani guys in the 60s and 70s, you know, um, it was massively taboo in terms of his religion, like what he did, you know. Um, he used to drink and gamble and all of that stuff. So I believe the terminology is very haram, you know, um, especially to have a child like out of wedlock with mm, a white mm, woman like this mm. was like this was really bad. So he kind of disappeared and, and remarried. Um in the meantime, my stepdad, um, my mum met my stepdad and we have, um, I've got a brother and sister um, and they're, they're amazing. Like they're, you know, they're just awesome. They're like 10 and 11 years younger than me. Um, but um, 
yeah, I had a troublesome time with my stepdad and actually probably more like he had a troublesome time with me, <laughs> you know, but at the time I was so self-obsessed, you know, um, and I was, I was hurt, man. I was a hurt kid, you know, from, I guess we'd call a broken family, you know, I knew that I was loved, but I couldn't quite work out why I didn't ever feel love, you know? Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, it didn't really match up, I guess. So that, kind of created a lot of schisms and, you know, between the self-worth and the self-image and stuff. And man, by the time I was like, I don't know, I started smoking cigarettes at 11, um, started putting my fingers up to the system, you know, and um, um, yeah, man, I, I had like, I was set to have a great education. Um, like I still believe I'm quite an intelligent guy, but just there was so much hurt, so much pain going on that I was more interested in dealing with that, you know, than, than anything else. And um so yeah, obviously more interested in rock and roll. Guns and Roses came out in like 1991, just blew my mind. And um, and that was me really set on the, on a path. I, I used to sing like Michael Jackson songs and my mum used to go to charity shops and try and find me like outfits that she could turn into Michael Jackson outfits. And I used to do talent shows and stuff. And um, I did a, a school concert and everything like that. And Ma'am, as soon as I heard you could be mine by Guns N' Roses, like the Michael Jackson stuff was out the window cool. and I was trying to grow my hair and, you know. Um, so I guess then uh, instead of my father, like Slash became my idol. So it was all about Jack Daniels and Black Death cigarettes and, you know, stuff like that. And um, yeah, I joined a rock band and um, yeah, man, like I just, that was it. I, I realized that I'd found... Oh God, this is a cliche <laughs> when you know what I did on The Voice, but I realised then that I found what, what I was looking for, you know, I was like, this is it. How, how old were you then? I was like 12 years old. Oh, well, still young. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, I remember it, man. I was I was at home in the summer holidays with like a, was I 12, man? It was like 78, I was like 13, 12, yeah, going on 13 and um yeah, man, I was like summer holidays. I was eating like a chicken and mushroom pot noodle or something. Oh, yeah, wearing, green one. Yeah, man. And uh, like wearing like day glow socks and Bermuda shorts with like a, a cheap Michael Jackson moonwalker thing all covered in neon and stuff like it was in, in that time. Um, and uh, yeah, sitting in front of the TV and then this track came on. I'm just like, I don't know what that is, but that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so... I guess my love for, for kind of music and, you know, also like I realized I was like, I was good as well. Like this was the first time I'd ever done anything in my life where, you know, I'd been widely accepted, you know, like a lot of, like I stood up on stage in front of people and they were like, yeah, you're good. Um, and people just kept on saying that I was good. Like I had no training, you know, music. I just had a love for music and I was copying people, you know, trying to, um so did you just sing initially yeah yeah I just I just sang initially um I kind of learned guitar just because it's a bit weird like just singing on your own so um later on in life like when I was about 15 16 um I started busking and stuff and so like I needed a an instrument to to back me up so yeah yeah, yeah. so um so do you, do you still play guitar? yeah yeah, yeah. I still play guitar like I, I, I I'm I can accompany myself. I mean, I'm reasonably accomplished, um, like, you know, but I wouldn't call myself like a guitarist. I'm, I'm a singer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, but by the time I was 15, like the stuff with my stepdad was just getting nuts. Um, I was running away from home, like all the time. Um, 
I was getting into lighter gas and do you know what I mean? Like substances and, um, and drinking and, um, yeah, man, it kind of got to the point where some stuff happened and, um, school didn't believe my story. And so they were like, look, we're going to take you, um, out of home. We're going to take you into like a supported lodging thing. So that was it. I was, I was out, I was free. And I remember this sense of like, like I've won, do you know what I mean? It was like, I've kind of done it. Like I've managed to escape, you know, my home life. And I'm here with like, nobody's here to tell me to go to school. Nobody's here to tell me what time I need to be home, you know? And I was, I'd already got these bunch of guys that, um, you know, were kind of musicians and they were in bands and, you know, we were going to parties and stuff and, and gigs. And so I was just like, this is cool. I'm just going to hang out with you guys all day long. And oh, were they older than you? No, man, they were all so still much, at school. Right. They were still at school. Yeah, it was just me. Right. So, that, so when they moved you into that place, they didn't say you've got to go to school. No. They just said, here you yeah. go. I realised like literally day two, oh, wow, like they don't actually have any authority to tell me to go to school or not. So... So I was turning up to other people's senior schools like at lunchtime, um, you know, sort of trying to hang out with them and, and go to band practice with them and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I got caught. I, I tried to do a, I tried to do a, a summer concert in someone else's school and the school like got in touch with my school and was like, why is he here? Like he should be in the <laughs> and uh, did, so did the, they let you go on? No, man, no. the school was like, yeah, look, um, you're clearly not interested in, in this anymore. So, you know, um, I went to a, a Roman Catholic like school in Stevenage, went to the, the John Henry Newman school, shout out JHN. Um, and, uh, the, the head teacher at the time, he was like, he was like, I've got requests from people like John Major's son, you know, to kind of join this school. Can you tell me like why I should be keeping you on? And I was like, Look, man, no. really, you don't have to, you know, like just say the word and I'm and I'm gone. And so that was it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I joined some bands, and um, it was about that time um, that I that I met our mutual friend Will um, through like um, a youth club in Stevenage that I was constantly frequenting. Um, this was back in you know the the nineties, man, where where that's that's all there was really for, for kids to do, you know, is to go to the, the, the youth clubs or, yeah, yeah. you know, play pool and stuff like that. So, so it, yeah. was he there hanging out or he was there? Uh, do you know, I can't remember. He'll be able to tell you, man, he was a little bit older than me. So, um, and I know that he was training to, I think he was working in like social services yeah. or in like youth stuff. Yeah, and well, after, this is what he said to me after he, he left school. Cause exactly, I left, yeah. I, I lost touch with him after school. Right. Yeah. He said, yeah, he was doing social work. Yeah, exactly. Kids. He was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like I was already, I wasn't interested in like being social worked. Like yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd already had like a, a tight little bunch of friends and stuff. And I was, um, we were messing around with some stuff with uh, my friend Duncan and uh, he was like my guitarist and we, we started busking together and, we were like, you know, just going on road trips to Brighton and stuff and just, you know, hanging out. And we thought we was living the rock and roll dream, man. It was like probably like a summer of like 92, 93. And with all of those albums that came out in 91. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like the Metallica, like Primal Scream, like Guns N' Roses, Soundgarden, Nirvana, Nevermind. Like I found this out. I didn't realise yet until like I really checked it out. But like when you look at how many like 
absolutely historical albums were released like in 1991 it was like insane that's the year it was the year man yeah and i was like in the heyday of it all so yeah we, we were like this is it man we're just going to be like the next nirvana or something like that you know um we were not the next nirvana <laughs> but we had that dream you know we had that kind of passion and um i think we we just wanted to write music and to and to you know to just make a living out of music we just wanted to do music we just wanted to to play and hang out and you know meet girls and you know smoke drugs and stuff and just just yeah, hang yeah. out and uh yeah we kind of met will and um uh, again it's a bit of a blur back then you know um but yeah i know we met through bose lion and will played like this amazing electric violin and i'd never heard anything like that before and i was like this is it man like we got a sound now do you know what i mean yeah. like and, and it kind of went with what we were doing um and we had no drummer. If I remember, we had no drummer whatsoever. But um, Will knew another guy called Kev, who I'm sure if you can get him out, he'll, he'll want to be on this podcast as well. And Kev was just like this incredible guitarist. He was um, he had quite a lot of fame, like in the 80s. Um, and um, yeah, was a really established kind of, um, you know, guitarist. And so, yeah, we started getting attention from, you know, um, well, from the wrong people, actually. We were, we were looking for attention from, like, you know, record companies and stuff like that. But we just found guys that were really happy to take advantage of us and make money off of us, really. So, um, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, so my that's kind of how my music career really started um, with that band. We were called Straw Meal. <laughs> how did, how did um, the name come about? Straw Meal. Um, I have no idea. We were going to be called Roundabout at one point. Um, I, I don't know, man. We were just, we were just like scrabbling for names. I suppose it's, it's better than names. Happy Meal. Yeah, it's better than Happy Meal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think there was a film called Straw Dog out um, and we, we kind of liked that sound and so we were like thinking around like the idea of straw. We were throwing that out and my, my friend Duncan was like, maybe like Straw Meal and he was like, well, yeah, I'm a vegetarian so I guess that works. <laughs> so we were called straw meal and um yeah we we played a, um a, a good few gigs man um we had uh we had carol decker from Tapal come and check us out yeah. um yeah through friends of friends and stuff and uh we ended up going and playing this gig in belgium um which was insane um yeah we, we <laughs> i was i was skeptical about the whole thing because i knew the guy that was organizing it and I was like, man, I'm not sure about this, you know, but again, I think I was like 16 and um, it was like a really big thing, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to Europe. It still happened quite <laughs> early on, yeah, right? man. 16 years old. I think I was like 16, 17, maybe. I can't remember the years, but I know I was, I know I was young. Um, Especially back then, because there was not so much travel then. No. Quick, you know, cheap, short all flights and everything. That didn't yeah. even exist yet. Well, we, we drove. Um, yeah, we drove over. We got the ferry over. Um, and there was a big reason for that, is that we were coming back through Amsterdam or through Breda. Of course. So <laughs> we wanted to, to get some stuff back with us, I think. Um, but, yeah. Um, yeah. I was. I tell you what, I was young enough for... Um, for everyone to chip in and take me down the red light district oh, <laughs> for like the is very it, first 16 time. 16 is all so, right over there. No, I, I must have been a bit older, man. I must have been like, I must have been 17 because... Um, 
17 yeah, going on 21. I was all, yeah, I was already not innocent, put it that way. Right. So this wasn't my first time, but yeah, um, yeah. it was probably like my second. I think. Yeah. <laughs> but the gig was insane, man. It, we, we, we turned up and we were like, where are we playing? Because um, the cars had parked and stuff. And I was looking out the window going like, is this where we're playing? And they were like, yeah. But and I was like, but there's scaffolding up. Like there's, there's, this is a construction site. Like it's not, the place isn't finished yet. And we, we walked in, I was like, I've got to see this place. And there was like an upstairs bar. So you had to walk up these stairs like on the outside of the building. And you walked into this bar which was okay. It was built like it was functioning. And then there was this staircase that went down. Sorry. No, there was a platform, <laughs> no staircase and this little like basement place. And they were like, yeah, you're playing down there. And I'm like, we're playing here in like 12 hours and there's no staircase. Like, <laughs> so what did I put there? It's going to work. By the time the gig was on, the staircase was built. Really? Yeah, and, wow. and that was it. We were playing in that basement. We, we need those builders over here. I know, man. I know. <laughs> yeah, or, or less regulations because there was clearly no regulations. But yeah, yeah, that was crazy, man. And then we just spent the rest of the time, I think, just just getting lit up really um, until we till we came home. But, but yeah. So so how long did that band run for then? I, I guess we were together for. It felt like a lifetime. It felt like a very long time. We we're probably only together for a few years. Maybe, I mean, at that age, though, it's, it's a yeah, significant percentage of your life, right? Yeah, yeah. If it's three years or four years yeah. or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, exactly and, that. And, and then it just kind of, what, fizzled out? Yeah. In your own separate ways? I remember Will telling me once, he said, Nadine, you do realise that Jimi Hendrix was a musical genius before he took drugs, right? <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> And uh, that kind of sums it up, really. Right. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, not just myself. There was other other guys in the band and stuff as well that, you know, just, we were so inexperienced. We didn't, I didn't know what the music industry was. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I just thought that someday someone's going to give us like a magic ticket and, um, you know, and we'll just be off and running and we won't ever have to worry about money again. And it'll just be gig, 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 gig. But I had no idea about the music industry and, and what that was really about. Um, and we were just getting ripped off left, right and centre as well. Mm. Like, I think our management at the time... Um, Oh yeah, they 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 said that they'd got all us. They'd bought us all this new equipment, um, new guitars, like new PA system, everything like that. And we were like, amazing. And they let us keep the guitars, but the PA system went back with them every single night. Right. And we found out that um, I don't know where they got the guitars from, but we found out that they were basically taking the like the PA system from this other venue. And then just charging us for it. like So we've just got no money. It was just like the classic hoodwinked by management stuff. Yeah, I think I think with, with kind of uh, artistic um, pursuits and mm. especially with entertainment generally, I mean, that seems to be kind of a, a common theme that there's, there's people that have a dream of being an artist and supporting themselves by doing something creative that they love and whatever. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of sharks in the middle. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of sharks at the top. That's just right. Just bigger sharks. That's right, yeah. Yeah, it's quite... It's quite um, and that's only got worse. Yeah, it's quite sad you know, because, yeah. I mean, art and music and whatever whatever kind of art you're talking about is, mm. is really like, that's, that's the... That's what 
being human is about. Mm. You know, everything else you're going through the motions, just doing kind of mechanical, robotic, repetitive stuff that you Mm. have to practically do Mm. to get through a day or a week or a year or whatever. But I mean, that's what separates us from machines, right? Is art. And it's sad that that there's such a high barrier to to entry to support yourself doing that yeah i mean i would love to to do something creative as my main profession sure but i mean it's just too difficult yeah it's a it's miraculous i mean i don't know how there's even like a top 100 you know i mean i, I guess there, is there still charts anymore i don't know yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think you, you know because shot, i mean it's, it. it is flipping miraculous right that that you would you know the, the people that actually can make a living out of being creative that, you know, that can genuinely do that. Like it's, um, it's, it's such a small percentage of people compared mm. to, you know, um, I mean, look, man, my experience on, on the voice showed me that, you know, I mean, there was like, what, maybe 30, 40,000 people. When, yes. I talk about that. How yeah. did that, how did that come about? Well, we, yeah, I mean, we're missing like a huge chunk, but kind of like rolling the tape forward. Um, I think I was watching Britain's Got Talent at one point and uh, some guy was doing like a Tracy Chapman cover and I remember just looking at him, no ego, like for myself, but I just genuinely was looking at him going like, I can do better than, like I know I can do better than him. Like, and he's just got through and like everyone's like, you know, and I was in a period of my life where there wasn't much going on like musically and um, I was in a lot of self-reflection and and stuff like that, and so um, I kind of thought, yeah, maybe maybe that might be a catalyst of some sort, you know. Um, I now know that was such a dumb idea. Um, I mean, it was. I, I don't I don't regret what it, what what happened um, or, or what I did because it was an amazing experience, and you know, it definitely lifted me, um, you know, further than I guess a lot of other people, you know, would have got to, um, but. Um, what I now know is that um, unless you've got a body of material, like a finished product that you want to promote, do not go on those shows. Mm. Don't bother. Every single person that I know um, that has been successful through those shows has already got something lined up and they've literally, they've played the game. They've used, because what happened was I, I went for this audition and it was either Britain's Got Talent and then this new show called The Voice was was out, right? And um, I guess I should say as well, um, I've, I mentioned it, you know, that I was kind of involved in a lot of drink and drugs and stuff. Like I now know that I was an addict, you know, from the age of probably 11 years old, from that first time that I was smoking, you know. Um, and that's one in 11 people, you know. That, that's, um, that, that's the statistics. Um so I knew that I had a disease of sorts, if you want to call it that, a condition, you know, which meant that I had to do everything to excess, that once I'd started to do something, um, that gave me any relief from myself. Um, there was very little that was going to stop me from continuing. And once I started, like, it was almost impossible to stop. Um, and that was that's with loads of stuff, um, not just drinking drugs. Like, I just had this obsessive thing. And so um, I ended up in um, in rehab a couple of times and um, I basically, through the 12 steps, um, 
I, I gained um, sobriety and I gained recovery. And it was, it's been a long journey to actually stay sober. Um, I've been sober now for just coming up on, on eight years. Um, and uh, that took me almost, well, I think like almost five years to kind of get to that that first mark where I was like, okay, now I can string together some decent sobriety. But um, And that sobriety is n- yeah. nothing. Yeah, nothing at all. Nothing at all. Um, it's taken me a long time to even drink like 0% like lagers and stuff. Um, yeah. I'm so pleased there's 0% lagers because... Quite know, a few now. I, there's loads. Yeah. There's loads. 0% Guinness. It's amazing. Yeah. Is it? I haven't tried the 0% Guinness. I haven't it's tried good. it yet, but I know it's oh. out. It's, my, it's on my thing to do. On the list. Um, yeah. But there was a time where even like 0% lager was just triggering for me. Really? Like the smell of it. Right. Like, and I just didn't... I just had to stay completely abstinent from like absolutely everything but i think um i i gained um i had an experience with with god um that that changed my life in the middle of all of that and um that was about 5 years ago now um you want to talk about that yeah we can do man um but but i feel like we're jumping all over the place but i don't know yeah i mean i'll talk about that um yeah um i had an encounter with um with with god which was like a thunderbolt and lightning type experience um and everything changed from then on um it was like where i needed to be in meetings all the time and i needed to have a sponsor i needed to work work the 12 steps like i needed to have like a daily action plan of and if i didn't like I remember saying this to to loads of people, like my day goes well if I've ticked all these boxes, right? So if I've woken up and I've like, you know, done my daily readings, like meditation readings, if I've meditated for a bit, like if I've called my sponsor, if my day goes badly for whatever reason, it can be directly attributed to something that I haven't done in my program, right? And and that's genuinely like what my what my life was like. Um but ever since this encounter, um it's been removed from me like root and branch and not just that, but I've been able to, um, there's been stuff that has been lingering around me for years and years and years that I've been able to face, um, without therapy. Um, I've been able to kind of move through, um, and, and kind of change. And that for me, um, is all down to this experience that I had with a loving God, um, that, that, yeah, that changed my life, man. Yeah. And what happened? So I was um, a friend of mine sent me a track called Oceans um, by this um, what I thought was a band um, called Hillsong United, and um, I thought this is an amazing song. Um, lyrically, it was great. Musically, it was it was beautiful, um, and I was already like g- gaining an understanding of like spirituality, quote unquote spirituality. Um, but I was vehemently anti-religious. Like I I hated all forms of organized religion. I was more interested in ancient aliens and do you know what I mean? Like the Anunnaki and like stuff like that. Um, and um, so I had this idea of spirituality that there was something bigger um, that that was responsible for, you know, for all of this, right? And, um, and also we could have a connection to that would make our lives better, you know, that when we're connected to that, then we feel better. And I had that kind of understanding. Um, so I'm listening to this song um, called Oceans and uh, and I just met my now wife as well. So 
we were women and she was a Christian. And, uh, and I, I remember thinking, man, I'm going to change that. Like you poor thing, <laughs> you absolutely poor thing. Like you sucker, you know, that's what I was thinking. And, um, anyway, we, we were dating for a little bit and, um, she came around to, to my apartment and she was like, Oh, do you mind if I put some music on? I'm like, yeah, no, no, no problem. And she put on Hillsong and I was like, Oh, I know Hillsong. Like, and she said, yeah, that's the church that I, that I go to. And I was like, Oh wow. Okay. So they were, well, they were like a Christian band and, like I'd never really known Christian music before, you know. So, but this music was great, you know. I was like, this is this is pretty cool, but um, I didn't want to listen to, you know. I, I, there was a block, you know, for me to kind of gain any connection to it. And uh, anyway, she left um, the flat that night, and because um, we were being good, and um, she left. Um, I, I just kind of went to went to went to sleep, and I used to leave my computer on overnight and stuff, and. Next day I went out and I came back and um, moved my mouse and it, of course, unfroze the um, the sleep mode. And this Hillsong track that she was listening to was on. And I just went down a rabbit hole with it. I started like, who are these guys, man? Like, because they're looking pretty fly. They're looking pretty fresh. Like, they were rocking like Taylor guitars and like Martins and they were wearing like amazing clothes and stuff like that. And I started watching how they were going on tour and stuff and i'm like are they getting paid for this like where's the i had no idea about like <laughs> what church was do you know what i mean or what worship music was and uh i was like man these guys must be minted and i remember thinking like maybe i could kind of like get in with these guys and start making a load of money right <laughs> really kind of twisted thinking and um as soon as i had that thought like i'd gone down this rabbit hole with them for about maybe about half an hour um, I just got overwhelmed with this voice that was in, that was like my voice spoke in my voice. It wasn't like schizophrenia, do you know what I mean? Um, but this booming thought, sound, whatever you want to call it, that was like, Nadim, you're prepared to believe that aliens came down 40,000 years ago and engineered mankind, right? Yet you refuse to believe in the simple truth that I'm God and that Jesus died for your sins on the cross. And I would just was, was like, what the heck, man? Like, what is going on? And this overwhelming feeling of arrogance just kind of like absorbed me, just kind of came over me. Um, and it was physically difficult to take. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I fell to the floor, like I hit my knees, I started crying, I started shaking, I started trembling. I'm like, what the heck is going on with me, you know? I phoned up my girlfriend at the time, my lovely wife, Anna, now. And uh, I said, um, she said, what's wrong with you? I said, I, I don't know. Like, I couldn't speak properly. I was like, I, I don't know. I've, I've just had this thing going on. She goes, what do you mean a thing? And I was like, I think I've just had an encounter with God. And she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, what happened? I told her what happened. I said, I don't know what's happening to me because I'm still, I was like shaking. I was like sweating. I'm, I'm crying. She said, oh, no, I know exactly what's happening to you. And I said, look, I don't care about all that. All I know is that I need to go to church with you on Sunday. And um, I went to church and, you know, as soon as I got off that phone, um, oh, actually, no, it's before I phoned her up. The thing that started, there was like flashbacks playing in my head all of a sudden where I remembered when my sponsor had first asked me 
to get on my knees and pray for a sober day. I was like, dude, I'm not doing that. Like, I don't believe in God. Like, and he's like, listen, if you want to stay sober, just do what I've done. You know, if you want what I've got, then do what, do what I've done. So when the hard times come, just pray, you know, um, and ask whatever God you want to believe in, whether it's a chair, whether it's a guitar, whether it's your mum, like whatever, just, you know, just pray and ask for a sober day. And I remember having this hard time and I just hit my knees on my bed and started praying for a sober day. And I felt this warmth come over me. And I was like, oh man, like maybe that's my mum, you know? And um, I had this soothing voice in my head saying like, it's gonna be all right. Again, my own voice, but like this soothing voice going, look, it's gonna be all right, you're gonna be fine. And then all of a sudden this image of, you know, when like you've got your head buried like in your, in your hands like that, you can kind of see like geometric shapes and stuff. Like, a black circle just appeared and out of out of that came light and Jesus like walked towards me, right? And I shot up off my bed. I'm like, what are you doing here, man? Like, I don't believe in you. Like, get away from me, you know? Like, this is crazy. And I, I didn't, I think I told my sponsor about it, but nobody else. And nobody said anything about it. And then wind the tape forward about five years. I'm in an AA meeting and I see this picture of Jesus and I'm just like transfixed to it. I'm like, I don't know, I'd never seen that particular image of him before. And um, this guy come up to me and said, uh, you're right. I'm like, yeah, I was just, just staring at this picture of Jesus. It's beautiful, right? And he's like, yeah. Um, so how do you feel when you look, when you see it? And I'm like, I just feel peace. Like, I just feel like overwhelming love. And he's like, mate, you should do the alpha course. I'm like, what's that? It's like, it's a training course for Christians. And I'm like, nah, I'm not doing that, you know. And then, so when I had this experience, you know, five years ago in my bedroom, I remember, I don't know anything to do with the Bible, but I remember feel, remembering this part in the Bible where um, where Jesus says to Peter, like, you'll deny me three times before the cock crows, right? And I remember thinking, this is the third time that I've denied you. I can't deny you anymore. Um, and it was just like... I'd love to say that immediately, like my life got better. I mean, I went to church and, and I gave my life to, to Jesus in, in that moment. And um, I'd love to say that everything got better, but man, it didn't, you know, like just the relationship with, with my girlfriend was up and down. It was really rocky. I fell back into like addictive behavior again, like almost straight away. And then I started reading the Bible and I started to understand that, okay, so there's God and, and there's Jesus and there's like this life, but then there's also an enemy. Do you know what I mean? We also have an enemy, a combatant, um, the devil, you know, that, that is going to be around you that wants to kill, steal and destroy. And just like Jesus was tempted in the, in the desert for 40 days, like he was tempted solidly for 40 days. Like just like that, um, that was Jesus. Like he got tempted by the devil for 40 days as soon as he got baptized by, by John. What makes you think you're gonna like have it any easier? Do you know what I mean? So I started to realize that I was under attack like constantly. Um, and it took a lot of prayer. It took a lot of kind of engaging. I went through a lot of courses, um, you know, with, with the church. Um, but it culminated in that time where, you know, um, I was about, I was, I'd, I'd actually picked up another drink. I'd, I'd started drinking, um, went out just to annoy my girlfriend, had a drink. Um, I was supposed to be taking her to the airport to pick up her, her dad. And I'd had maybe like three or four beers. I'd come back home, bought a can of Stella. I drunk a little bit of whiskey that was in there. So like I'm wasted and I've relapsed. Do you know what I mean? 
Um, and I just, I was in tears, like, and I just, I, I went to bed and she prayed over me. Um, and I, I never, I've never heard of this before um, at the time. I'd never realized what was going on, but I started speaking this other language as she's praying over me and I'm passing out, falling asleep. I now know that's what, what what's called speaking in tongues, you know, and, um, or praying in tongues. And um, I fell asleep for what felt like hours and hours. And um, all of a sudden I kind of woke up and I, I shot up, bolt, bolt upright. And um, she said to me, um, you're sober, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. How long have I been, how long have I been asleep for? And she said, I know you're sober because I've been praying for that and you've been asleep for 15 minutes. I'm and like, you thought it was a long sleep? I was stone cold sober. I, 15 minutes before, I was absolutely wasted. Um, and I got up, um, I had a coffee and I'm like checking myself because I'm like, what is going on? Um, and um, I'm like, listen, I'm that sober. I can still drive to the airport. Like, I'm fine. Like, no problem at all did that and I realized then that that was the moment where I believed that that Jesus just took it all from me like took all of my addiction so much pain so much like all of that away from me you know so that's me talking about that amazing <laughs> and so yeah. that was about five years ago yeah about five years ago and now. and you maybe you, six maybe six years now yeah you yeah. you still feel that everything is lifted it didn't yeah. sort of feel like it creep back just done turn no. the page yeah exactly um you know to the to the point now where like i said I, I would never be able to even look at that you know look at a zero percent lager before um, yeah. and yeah it's it's done like I, I don't do meetings anymore like i don't work a program i i um i'm in charge of a men's group um for my church um i've run alpha courses you know um like yeah. God's so, so what's the how? How's yeah. the talk about them? The men's group because we were going to yeah. originally we were going to do another night, right? And you said to me, "I run a men's group." That's right. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So. So. Yeah. So I'm. I'm kind of. Um. I belong to. Um. To a campus of Hillsong Church in in Croydon, and uh, it's a small, like local kind of campus. It's really cool. Um, and yeah, I'm in charge of, um, running the men's group and we kind of get together and I'm terrible with organizing things. If I was better at organizing things, we would actually do a lot more activities and stuff, but we have, we've kind of gone out and, you know, just hung out and it's really just about like men connecting with each other. Um, and that's really rare. Like anyway, even in like secular society, do you know what I mean? Like I, I it's always been on my heart. Like men need to speak more. Men need to just be honest more. And you know, coming from my background, you know, in the church, um, I believe the church has to get a lot more used to this. Like, like Jesus was interested in the sinners, you know, he wasn't interested in the righteous. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and the ones that were, you know, already like righteous, he, he would, he would leave, you know, the 99 sheep, you know, just for that one, um, and rejoice over that one more so than the 99 righteous ones. And so the church is going to be filled with drug, with ex drug addicts and people with tattoos and people that are into metal and stuff like that, you know, mm -hmm. because, because God's coming for them, man. Like mm -hmm. I, I, I truly believe that. And, um, and I see more and more of that. So what I, what I bring to my men's group is just that realness, you know, um, that this was my life, you know, um, previous to that. And, uh, and this is my life now. Um, and if my experiences, you know, can help. And I, I certainly feel that 
just because I've had all those experiences, like I can be a lot, a lot more real, you know, in church, like there's a lot of people, um, that have clearly been Christians from like the day they were born. Do you know what I mean? They've been mm. brought up in the Bible. You know, I'm still terrible with like verse and scripture and stuff like that. I, I don't read the Bible as much as I know I could um, on a daily basis, you know, but uh, but I just bring all my flaws, all my, my warts and all, do you know what I mean? And and I lead from that place, you know, that, that I'm, um, I'm just as broken as all you guys, you know. Um, yeah, I think it can almost be... Um that you, that if you feel like you're where you should be now and helping these people, mm. that everything else was the plan, right? Yeah, it's all the plan, man. You have to, it's you, you have this. to just accept. Yeah. Listen, okay, I, you know, I, I can roll the like Dungeons and Dragons, right? Yeah, I can yeah. roll the dice each time and say how many hit points and how much right. luck points, but actually, there's a there's a campaign that's laid out, and yeah. you can go one percent that way, one percent that way, but yeah. actually. You're kind of going down this pathway, and you just have to understand that totally. and go with it, right? Like a hundred percent. Like the longer I live my life, the longer, and I'm not just talking about like, you know, through faith or through. I mean, I know it's all through God, you know. But you know, even just in the random things, the random people, you know, that like that that whole seven degree of separation philosophy or whatever that is, you know, like. The longer I live my life, the longer I can see the plan. Like yeah. I can see it's been mapped out, man. Like, you know, I mean, I've uh, my next door neighbor, you know, the other day told me, oh yeah, like um, I, I, I know, um, I met someone I think knows you. And I'm like, who's that? It's like one of my ex-girlfriends. And I'm like, you're kidding me, dude. Like I've been living here for like five years. Like, and you've just kind of like, yeah. Yeah, just little pointers and little symbols and signs like that. For me, like coincidence is God's way of breaking his anonymity, you know? Yes. That's a nice way to put it. There's no such thing. It's all it's all planned. Like I know it is, man. Yeah, I think I mean I, I definitely feel as you get older, assuming you you get wiser, mm. you kind of uh I mean I, I, I definitely feel for myself you um once you get your ego out of the way. Yeah. And you just accept, like, okay, like, I'm here. Yeah. What am I supposed to be doing? Who am I supposed to be talking to? Yeah. Then then it does start to unfold and you start to, like, some something that I've been doing for the last probably five years. Mm. I, I can't even remember how I started doing it or why I started doing it. Whenever I've got something that I have to make a decision about, and this, mm. this will be a hundred times a day. Yeah. I just look at my phone and I say, is is the time odd or even? You know, right. initially it was okay. like flip a coin. Okay, yeah. But no, no one has coins anymore, yeah, right? yeah. including me. Yeah. So now I just look at my phone. So if, yeah. e- even for things like going to work mm. this way or that way, mm. and I'm, for some reason I think I'm going to go this way today. And you can go even further than that, man, in, in my experience. And, you know, again, I'm just talking about, about from, from, my, from my perspective, but two years ago I decided that I'm just going to completely give up any control over my life whatsoever. I'm going to relinquish full control. Like I was working, I just got married. Um, I was working um, for a vape shop, shout out Smoketronics. Um, and, uh, you know, but the great guys, but I'd kind of reached that ceiling of my career there. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, the pay was 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 decent. Um, but I'm like, this is not going to, 
you know, take me any further than, than where I need to go. And the music thing wasn't wasn't really happening that much. I was doing the odd gig and things like that. But, you know, I trained to be a counsellor as well, like a few years before that and had to, to quit because of, you know, commitments and stuff. And, you know, I was like, where am I going to go? And I was getting in such a state, I prayed into a connect group that I go to and um, I said, guys, like, I just need you to pray for my career, like for, for everything to do with my career. Um, I'm going to stop making any decisions whatsoever and I'm just going to give it to God. Um, and I forgot that I'd prayed that prayer, right? And, and I forgot that. And the week after, I'm round at this guy's house and we'd only just kind of met. He starts talking to me about construction and I'm like, Oh, maybe this is a, maybe this is a sign. I remembered the prayer, right? And he's talking to you about construction, and he said, um, "Have you ever thought about being an electrician?" And I'm like, "No, never." He's like, "I think you'd be really good at it." So I'm like, "Thank you, God." There's a little sign. So I start researching it. Turns out my old pastor um, used to be an electrician, so I didn't realize that. My wife told me that. I phoned him up. He sets me on a path where it's like these are the courses you need to do. I then go and do the courses. My godfather gets in contact with me um, and says, Nadim, like, I, want, um, I know we haven't spoken in ages, but I'm writing my will. Like, I want to leave some money for you in my will. I'm like, what is going on, man? I was, I was like, can you help me out with this electrician's course? He's like, yeah, sure. Like, I'll help you out. In the end, I went and done this electrician's course. I'm going through this whole process, yeah? I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I've, I've, got, I've got no like this desire can I say yeah that it was like there was nothing of me that was in this path that I was going along but I was just loving it um and I trained as an electrician I got some basic qualifications then I end up like falling into this job these guys kind of give me a job and they say they'll train me um in the end that all just falls through but they ended up giving me like getting me this qualification um that I've now used today to start up my own business, which I'm now running. I'm now entirely self-employed. Um, I'm earning more money than I've ever earned, um, all off my own back, you know, like I'm doing gigs at the weekend. The gigs just multiplied after lockdown. So that I'm now doing like two, sometimes, you know, three gigs in a week, um, doing tons in a month. Um, I, I work with um, like, a, I work for a, a private rehab as well where I offer like music therapy to clients and it's really well paid. And um, my client just doubled her, her sessions. She said, I want, I want more sessions with you. So that kind of, and it's, I'm just in this place right now where every single day where I'm looking at my bank balance, I'm like, it's all down to that prayer. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's all down to me just completely, completely letting go. Now that's not, people listening to this might think, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like that's just a string of, you know, incidents that happens that I could probably do tomorrow, right? Um, if I'd chosen to do that or something. But you've got to understand, like, I'd literally exhausted every single one of my my means. Do you know what I mean? Like, my head was empty of ideas. Mm. Um, and when I just gave it up and just handed it over, and I, I do that all the time. If I've got a decision to make, then I just give it to God. You know, I'm just like, I'm not even going to think about that. God, my, my favorite prayer is like, God, if I'm supposed to do this, like make it abundantly clear that, I'm, yeah. that I need to do this. Yeah. And Lord, if I'm not, if I'm not supposed to do this, if you don't want me to do this, then, um, then just make it impossible for it to happen, you know? Right. Um, and the amount of times that that's come true, 
like recently in lockdown, I was getting involved in all of these protests and stuff around like the lockdowns. And it got to a point where I wasn't really too sure whether I wanted to continue with it. There was something about it that just didn't feel right. And um, I was due to go to this huge like protest and I had a lot of people that, that were talking with me about it and I'd made a bit of a splash and stuff. And so people wanted to interview me and I had a reason to go, right? But there was something that was just like, I'm not sure about this. And I prayed that prayer. And the next day I woke up in the morning with chronic liver pain. Like I'd never known it, right? I'm like, thanks God. That's the you know, decision for the day, less mate. Slightly less next time, yeah? Just yeah, slightly less, slightly exactly. Less. Yeah. Um, and literally, like by the time the demonstration was over, like I was completely fine. But why, why do you think you, you didn't want to go to the demonstration? <sighs> do you know what, man? Like... Because we, we went to, we went to yeah, most of them. Yeah. This was all the anti-lockdown ones, right? That's right, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, you think it was just dragging you too much away from I think, something else? Yeah, I think I started to to get really obsessed with with it, you know. And I think there's there's certain people that are built for that sort of stuff, do you know what I mean? And, and I had a passion for it, man. Like, I didn't believe that we should have been locked down. Um, I knew that there was some other agenda going on. Like, I'm still switched on to that, you know, to that side of the world. Um and again, I know that there's an enemy, do you know what I mean? And, and there is stuff that comes from darkness and stuff that comes from light. And, yeah. you know, this, that was just screaming darkness, you know, like nothing about it made sense. Um, I'm a healthy, you know, um, young person. My wife might disagree with that, but um, <laughs> she's a naturopath and a, and a herbal, right. a Western herbalist. So she's super healthy and is always going on to me about doing more exercise and stuff. But anyway, like I was, you know, a reasonably healthy guy. Like I'd had COVID. Um, I was over it in a few days. Um, I was looking at all of these businesses, you know, um, that, that were facing um, extinction. They were, they were not, they have, they haven't. Businesses have just not recovered as a result of that. And when I look back, it just didn't make sense. For the first time in medical history, we started quarantining the well. Like that's never happened before. Um, surely what you do is you quarantine the vulnerable and you let, you know, the well go out and, um, and get sick. And sure, there might be some casualties, but for that herd immunity, like wasn't it worth it? Um, and lo and behold, that's what in all kind of in the history of viruses and stuff, it always ends up in herd immunity. It's like it wasn't and for the first time, like these terminologies like were all of a sudden like conspiracy theories. And it's like it's not a conspiracy theory. Like this is the history of medicine we're talking about here. Um, and there were so many people in uproar about it. The thing that done me was the censorship, man, like just just, you know, so many credible dot not kooks you know not conspiracy not the likes of you and i right <laughs> although we turned out to be right although we turned out to be right yeah however you know but these were like qualified like yeah. doctorate phd level yeah. you know guys that were being like banned off youtube banned off social media and it's like man this is nuts this is nuts yeah. but but i i think in answer to your question like i felt like it was it was taken over do you know right. what i mean like so so actually on 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 a personal level yeah. of slipping back into becoming obsessed with yeah. something yeah you you still I had to take to a step, step back, back. exactly yeah. yeah i have to choose what i do you know really really carefully sometimes and um i had a sponsor once who said to me um um it was really cool he uh, um 
I was I was sober for a while and nothing really bad had happened, but there was something that had got in the way of me like just just like doing what I was supposed to do. Um, and I spoke to him about it, and he, and he said, "Oh yeah, yeah." He said, "It's cool." And he said, um, "All that's happened is that you've just put something in between you and God, right?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, that is that is all that's happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks." And he's like, "Problem is though, is that you've just put something between you and God." <laughs> You know, and so like, I think there are things that can start to take over. Mm. Um, and that was definitely one of those things. I had to remember that God's in control of all of it, you know, um, because whenever I see those dark things that go on, like I, I have to remember that it's all been defeated, you know. Um, I don't want to spoil the story for everyone, but there is only a happy ending, you know. Um, that's my belief. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I believe that as well. But I'd like to get there yeah, soon. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Get fed up with this nonsense. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? In the middle of all this nonsense, man, there's there's people that can be helped, you know. Um, For sure. You know, and that's what keeps me going. Um, I try and navigate through the nonsense and see who who can I help, do you know what I mean? Like, mm. and, and God really puts those people in front of me, like, all the time. And I'm amazed by it, man, like, how, you know, just random people will be put in my path um, mm. at just the right time. I had this incident recently where we'd we'd, um, we'd we'd let someone stay in our house um, to look after our house, and I won't go into detail because it's you know it's a bit sensitive, I guess. But um, it turns out it ended up in them being um, like going back to Slovakia, and they ended up they were having a mental health breakdown, pretty much, right? And um, man, I was talking to um, a really close friend of mine whose son. Um, was going through a mental health breakdown and just little things like that, you know. I'm like, at the time, that experience I had with this house guest was awful, traumatic, stressful, you know. Um, and I was like, God, like, why, why has this happened, you know? And then there, there's someone around the corner that is literally talking about their their child having the same kind of issues going on. So I was able to speak to them with with experience and, you know, and conviction. Do you know what I mean about what was mm. going on? And then it helped them out. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's how I try and navigate life now, really. Yes, I'm. I'm interested as well in the in the what you said about the men's group about mm. men being with other men. And, yeah, you know, being yeah. able to be men because yeah. something that that um, I I do a lot, and you know, we've talked about already a lot on the podcast is jujitsu. Right. Um, nice. Which I mean, we have a women that train as well. I mean, my, my wife trains and there's, there's women in the class as well and there's kids' classes, but yeah. it is it is to a significant extent um, men fighting with other men, yeah. like to put you unconscious or break your arm and I'm yeah. trying to do the same thing. Sure. But it's... it's um, and, and, and this is why actually I wondered whether even, you know, we, we can... Uh, bring all your guys to a jiu-jitsu class and mm. roll around on the mat. Man, I'm sure there's some guys that would love that. Well, but the, the thing is, I mean, even even the people who you think maybe wouldn't love it, mm. and I'll tell you why, because one of the things that I think, and I think this was, um, it was already there, but it was very much exacerbated by the lockdown, mm. probably on purpose, mm -hmm. is to isolate people. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. to physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically isolate people. So yeah. your only um, contact, your only information comes from the TV, the TV right. or the newspaper, right. you know, right. they tell you this is what... Or the to, narrative, right? You, yeah. You, 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 
didn't see your friends anymore. You didn't go to the pub. You didn't go to the football. You didn't go mm. to church because you can't. You know, everyone's yeah. the enemy. It's, yeah. it's like a zombie movie. That was you the thing that done me. That yeah. gave me like honestly, it was like I couldn't go out. Um, I, I had to go out at night time because at night time where I live, there's very few people around, mm. and it was because otherwise I was experiencing this cognitive dissonance. Do you know what I mean? I was walking around in London and it was just like, there was nobody there. Yeah. Like it was traumatizing. And then going back into the, into the world and like, okay, we were allowed to go shopping or whatever now. And then just seeing how people would like purposefully like stay away. Everyone was absolutely petrified. And I was like, look at what they've done. Yeah. They've made us all afraid of ourselves. Yeah. I mean, I was afraid lucky because I, I worked pretty much all the way through. I did as well. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. and I'm, patient facing every day sure so i was sitting in a little room yeah with no aircon with no window yeah like this far away from people yeah. so i was like look it ain't that bad right because yeah. i'm sitting here every right. single day yeah. but but i i think you know i think i think already in this in this kind of modern western society i mean i don't know about sure. other places but certainly uk sure um because of social media, because of remote meetings and, and you know, work from home and everything else, mm. people have become really, really isolated. Yeah, that's right. And um, the yeah. thing that, that I find is is really um, powerful about the jiu-jitsu classes is jiu-jitsu is, is grappling, right? Mm. You're literally just rolling around on the floor. It's yeah. like, you know, you get two five-year-olds. very you, skillful, man, very skillful. It, it is, but it's also very, um, you know, this is the thing I say, like if I if I take two five-year-olds, mm. I put them in a room on their own and I tell them, listen, no one's coming back for an hour, mm. they're going to start wrestling. That'll happen anyway. This yeah, is what exactly. happens. Yeah, you know, yeah, you're just, yeah. this is what kids do, right? Yeah. And so it's, it's quite a natural kind of, uh, fundamental thing is like you know mm. who's who's stronger let's find out sure but people are missing so many things and that ticks a box for a whole lot of them mm. so adversity yeah can i cope with someone dominating me sure beating the shit out of me and then yeah. i can just go okay well it's just jujitsu it's mm. gonna slap hands we're gonna do it again right do I have any physical contact in my day or my week or my month? Yeah. If I'm not in a relationship, if I don't have a cat, if I'm mm. not, whatever, maybe I don't touch anyone. Mm. The closest thing I get to touch someone is when I'm getting my coffee or, right, you know, right. someone bumps me on the tube or whatever, but I don't hug anyone. Mm. I don't grab anyone. This it, it sounds weird, but the, you've got that physical contact, which is really important. It doesn't sound weird at all, man. You know, it, it, really it grounds you. Mm. So it, it physically pulls out electricity from your body mm. it, it you sweat like a pig mm. so you're detoxing and cleansing you know on on that kind of level mm. and as with anything else where you're in a an adverse situation so you're you're doing a difficult job with someone or you're in a difficult whatever it is mm. same thing you know you're fighting each other on the floor you make good friends mm. you know you you have people that you kind of feel like these are my brothers. It's mm. like my, my gang that yeah. will look after me. And it kind of sounds like a similar, um, it, it, it has a similar set of uh, benefits maybe to what you guys are looking at yeah, with those real. groups. For real. And um, like, I, I know, um, I was going to say, man, like you've got a podcast, you're doing jujitsu, like all you need is DMT and the comedy show and you're basically Joe Rogan now, man. <laughs> it would be nice. And the money, yeah? <laughs> the money, yeah. Um, I'm kidding, man. But um, yeah, no, I, from what, you know, I, I do listen to, to that guy and um, 
and, and as a result, I've listened to other kind of, you know, BJJ artists and stuff. And man, it's, it sounds like, and, and the, the, the weirdest people that you would think never do it. Like Lex Friedman, like is one of those, those guys, he's a huge proponent of jujitsu and he's a geek. Do you know what I mean? He works for Boston or used to work for Boston Dynamics and he's a tech guy, but mm -hmm. there's something about that. There's, there's a skill, there's a skill to it. It's, you know, I've heard it described as like the chess, do you know what I mean, of kind of martial arts because there's always another move you can do. Yeah. You know, um, there's you're testing you're testing yourself. Um in, in many ways, yeah, you're 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 challenging yourself against someone else, but you're also, you know, challenging yourself against yourself as well. Yeah. Because when you get put in that that, you know, I don't know, a triangle or something like that, or I don't know the moves that much, but yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean? If you get put in like an arm bar and you're like, okay, how do I get out of this? Like you're constantly trying to find ways of, of moving around and moving moving out of that. And I think, you know, physical exercise, um, I need to do a lot more. Do you know what I mean? And it's something that I've got an injury. I've got a leg injury. And so it's, it, I, I, what I'm with at the moment is I'm hearing myself make so many excuses for why I don't do stuff mm. um, because of, of mm, that injury. Mm, mm. And actually I know that, I know I need to overcome that, you know, so um should yeah, come and try or find, find one you near, might find near me on you, the mats man yeah, yeah 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 i mean it's it's brilliant but, but, but in what you said about like just those like guys connecting it's so important these days yeah um the very concept of of what a man is you know um is is being attacked i believe the very concept of what a woman is is being a, the, look man the very concept of truth you know um of biological um you know historical organic truth is being challenged at the moment mm. and um and you know i think this idea of like toxic masculinity and, and stuff, I, I think it's I think it's evil. Um, I think what we're doing to guys from from a young age at the moment, teaching them that they're toxic, teaching them that they have to be nice, um, you know, teaching them that they have to be they have to basically um, deny their biology, you know, mm. their makeup, um, their hormones, um, harness that in order to you know be stuck behind a computer desk or you know become something that they're or sit at home yeah, and do what you're told home, exactly and do what they're told exactly and it's like that's that's that needs to be challenged because there's a balance to be had mm. you know um the biological markers are, are, are valid you know and um men need to be men and, and, and women need to be women and guess what like we're compatible mm. you know mm. um we really are mm. um we were designed to to be with each other and um but, but, but this, I think this the moment that men start to become you know, women and when women start to become men um, and think, or, or what I mean by that is when women start thinking it's a bad idea to be a woman and when men start believing that it's a bad idea to be a man, then we're in trouble. But like this, this, is, this is, I mean, I'm, I, I'm definitely no uh, Bible student, yeah, sure. but this, this sort of, it comes towards the, the end times yeah. type of stuff when all of this stuff starts going a bit wrong. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to, um, I'd love to say you're wrong, but um, it's all there. I mean, when I first started reading the Bible, coming from the background I did, um, you know, talking about that whole ancient aliens and stuff, like one of the first things I read in the Bible was, and giant in Genesis 6, and giants walked the earth at that time. I'm like, sorry, what? Like, you know, um, uh, and and then the Nephilim came down um, and went into, you know, like this is stuff in Genesis that I was like, oh my gosh, like I've been 
avoiding all of this stuff, but God was leading me to this this truth anyway. It's all in there. Like I, yeah, I think I think I think certainly from I mean I'm I'm the same age as well, a little bit older than you, but yeah. from when we were young, I think religion just had a really bad marketing of problem. It did, yeah. Because you know, I up until fairly recently, you know, I was the same. You know, I was just like, oh my, just yeah. don't even. I'm not interested yeah, at yeah. all. But actually. Once you sort of start to explore it, I mean, mm. mine has been much more through watching BitChute and, you know, sure. that, that side of things. Yeah, but yeah. half the stuff that I watch ends up talking about this bit of the Bible or yeah, that bit sure. of the Bible. And, sure. and then you start to think, actually, it's, it's like the most fascinating stuff. Yeah. But they never, they glossed over all of that. Yeah, they yeah. just said, listen, you shouldn't steal anything unless sing a song. Yeah. Instead of saying, I'm going to, right, you think Terminator was good? Mm. Wait till I tell you this story. Yeah. Like, there's some really incredible well, well, we stuff. We can't there. get away with it. Uh, we can't get away from it because we live in a Western Judeo-Christian society. Mm. No matter what they're trying to do to that, mm. um, that that's where we live. Um, it, it's in every fiber of our of our DNA. If we're born in in the UK or in in the West, like it's it's all over us. Do mm. you know what I mean? So even from from an archetypal kind of point of view, do you know what I mean? Like taking it away from from the spirituality, like. It's in our it's in our bones, man. Um, like the teachings and, and that that kind of way of life, um, it, it's there. Like, do, the do you think though that's still there for for the younger generation? So I've just spent like literally the whole day watching um, the Queen's funeral, um, and I used to be a terrible. Like, uh, they're all lizards. They're all like, you know, <laughs> this is like. And if they're not lizards, then they're just a drain on taxpayers' money. Like, why do we need them? Like, you know, surely Legoland brings in more money than they do. Um, it's all part of, like, the racist system and stuff like that. And um, you know what? I, man, I, I watched that funeral today and I was in bits, man. Like, I don't think people understand really that, based on what I've said, right, that we live in, the UK is still a Judeo-Christian, you know, society. Um, by that, I mean the teachings of the Bible and the Torah are ingrained in our in our culture. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, like, the Queen had the greatest weight, you know, put on her, like Elizabeth, do you know what I mean? Like, she had the greatest weight put on her, on her head. Um, she was ordained, you know, and, and consecrated. So, the way I see the queen now is like there's there's God, there's Jesus, and then there's the queen. You know, in terms of like the power um, and that and that responsibility. And you know what, man? Like no matter what people say about her, for like I I I watched today, and as I saw like King Charles there, I was praying that he and I know this is wishful thinking, man, because I know that he's not you know, too cool with a lot of religious stuff and, and spiritual stuff. But um, I'm hoping and praying that he's able to restore, you know, the, the cultural side of, of our country that's been completely lost. You know, it's been destroyed by this kind of far left um, wokeism type thing. He's, you know what I mean? he's pretty woke though. I know he's woke. I'm really scared about it. That's why I kind of was praying about it because it's like, this is what we're losing. Like what we've... What's, you know, what the queen represented is now gone, you know. Um, and what she represented was strong family, you know, traditional Judeo-Christian values. And I don't think we're ever, ever going to get better than that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. It, it feels like 
you know, with her gone. Yeah. That's the end of something. Yeah. Like that was it. It's it. And I just, you know, like I said, man, you're talking about end times. Maybe this is it. You know, maybe this is the the the, the start of of that end of of religion. You know, um, and, I, and I keep saying religion, but you know, one thing that I, I need to make really clear um, is that I'm not religious. You know, um, Christianity isn't religious. Um, you know, Jesus came to um, to fulfil, you know, the law um, and came to, um, man, like. He wasn't interested in in the in the in the Pharisees, you know, and the Sadducees, like those super super religious people. Um, for me, like my faith is all about a rela- a personal daily relationship with a loving Father. You know, that's what that is for me. And believe me, man, those words were hard to hear. You know, when I first came to church, because they were like the words "trust your loving Father" were like alien to me. Mm. You know what I mean? But that's the relationship. And for so many Christians around the world, like that's actually what it is. And I know that I get, you know, I get looked upon as if, as if like... Pull your mic just across sorry, a yeah. little tiny bit. Yeah, I know that I get kind of looked upon as if I'm, I've now become some religious guy. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, it's not about religion for me. Like, yes, the Bible is there to guide us and, and to teach us. And, it, and that's God's word. Do you know what I mean? Like the, in, in that... Is, is life, do you know what I mean? Like it's a living book. Mm. Whenever I read it, like it says something else to me. Like if I'm going through something, there'll be something else in there. Um, like it's a living text, but but ultimately um, it's about a relationship, man. It's all about a relationship with God. Um, so yeah, yeah. And and that is what I think is is drastically missing from from our culture. Mm. Um, we've stopped it. We've, we've stopped believing, you know? Yeah, do, do you think though that that is um, because again you know through 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 being down the same rabbit hole that you've probably been down? Yeah, yeah. Do you think that that is just that's just what happens, or do you think this is kind of a deliberate push? Because it, it seems yeah. to me that the the warning is that we are being pulled away from that yeah. because once that's out of the way, mm. then anything goes. Exactly that. Kids, yeah. you can be a man and a woman yeah. and you can do whatever you want yeah. and that, whatever you want to do is perfectly fine because yeah. there isn't actually anything. You should just enjoy yourself. There's and, no such thing as reality anymore. And But then yeah. that is that is the... I mean, I, I assume it is, it's a, an actual line rather than just from the usual suspects, but mm-hmm. the greatest mm-hmm. trick that Satan ever played is to convince everyone that is not it real, exist. right? Yeah. So yeah. are we? do you think we are being steered to to fall away from that or, or that's overcomplicating it and it's just what people do? Yeah. I, um, no, I don't think it is just what people do. Um, I think... There's there's all sorts of examples of you know spiritual cultures, do you know what I mean? That that were where their whole purpose was was rooted in a spiritual you know foundation. Um, tons of tribes, you know, all across the world. Um, the very idea of God is in is in the heart of every man, woman, and child. You know, it's at the it's at the at the very core of us. You know, um, to know ourselves is to know is to know. Uh, to know ourselves is to know God. 
certainly to know God is to know ourselves. But like what I'm trying to say is I don't think, I think that, that, that there is a design for that. I think we are, I, what, I, what I genuinely think is what it is, what it says in the Bible. Do you know what I mean? That, that there is an enemy that comes to kill, steal and, and destroy that prowls around like a lion. Do you know what I mean? Waiting. And, and I believe that there are systems in place that feed, that are fed by that enemy that are not designed um, to bring life. Like God said, I'm the truth, the way and the life, you know? So um, there's, there's two things that I've just mentioned that I can use as a lens, right? To see what's going on for in, in front of me. So is this bringing truth? Is this bringing away or is this bringing life? Or is this coming to kill, steal or destroy? So for me, it's very, very simple to mm. understand mm. like where these systems, where these things are coming from, you know? Um, and more and more, I just see that the balance is tipped so much more on this kill, steal and destroy stuff and and less and less. And that to me is pointing to what you alluded to, you know, which is, which is the end times, mm. you know? And um, for me, it's no longer a controversial topic. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's all over us. Like it's when you look at those scriptures, man, like um, Revelations, um, I think it's Revelation 17, 13. Like it, it talks about it there. I was quoting that all the time when it when it came to, to COVID, you know what I mean? Because it says in there that unless you have the mark of the beast, like you won't be able to buy, you know, that for the first time um, in a long time, this was an incident that people who weren't Christians, who weren't religious, who weren't spiritual in any way, they were picking up on. Mm. They were going, well, I've just found, because they're looking for hints and clues and signs as to where this may come from. They're looking for the history repeating itself type thing because their instincts are telling them that that's what's going on. And they're finding truth in the Bible mm. because it's there in black and white. Um, you know, and for me, like, I don't worry about it, man. It's it's like, I know, I know how that ends. Do you know what I mean? And it ends with paradise. Um, so for me, like, what do I do with that? You know, now I'm not one of these guys that, that, just because I have a faith and I'm all right, Jack, you know, that means that I can just sit back. It doesn't work like that. Like, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, like, okay, well, if you know the truth, if you know you're going to heaven, then, you know, why don't you just sit there on your sofa, like drinking your 0% lagers, like listening to the Bible and podcasts and waiting till the end. It's like, cause that's not what I was called to do, mm. man. I was called to be salt and, 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 and light. Do you know what I mean? Like I was, I was called to bring flavor. Like I was called to use the the hell of an experience that I went through that I spoke about earlier, turn that to good account so that I can help other people, you mm. know? And if I can bring them to the word of God, then if I can bring them to salvation, then then fantastic, you know? But I'm not in control of that either, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I think there's, there's totally a design. I mean, I've, I've known there was an evil design, you know, an evil cabal, you know, for a long time before I was a Christian. And I was using that terminology. Um, but um, yeah, now I know that that's, I, I just believe that that's the case, man. Yeah, it really feels like it was revealed. Yeah. Like anybody now who says they can't see, yeah. they're just people that don't want to see, that's right. which is fine. Yeah. Some people, you know, are, yeah. are it's, it's, a, it's a very derogatory term, but um, a lot of people, they feel to me like NPCs, non-player mm -hmm. characters, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, they're just yeah. kind of shuffling around like this is the one that just walks backwards and forwards here and this is the taxi that drives around, whatever. Sure. But anyone who's who's paying attention is the wrong way to phrase it. Anyone who's who's 
who feels, mm. man, you can feel something is not right. Of course. Of course. And this, this scary, I mean, you know, this was a time in, during COVID when I started seeing what was going on. Is because they'd stopped hiding it. For yeah. me, it was just yeah. like, well, you stopped hiding it. And then I was like, well, what's going on there? Um, and it's like, if you think about like a ninja army, for instance, right? An army of ninjas that use stealth, that use like the shadows to kind of hide in, in order to to kind of, you know, like gain victory over their, over their target. Mm. Like they're stealthy, 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 stealthy. And then right at the very last minute, they know they've got you. So they raised their head above the parapet and now you can see them and they got <laughs> this you. Is the thing, right? And that's what I was, I was literally with that the whole time through COVID. I'm like, well, this is the end this now. This is it. Because there, there's so many people that I said this to, like this is, you know, I was saying, I don't think you should take the vaccine, this, yeah. that and the other. And people, you know, but I fell out with a lot of people. A lot of people didn't want to talk to me. A lot of people still don't want to talk to me, et yeah, cetera, sure, et cetera. Sure. But I was saying, look, I'm not talking about... You should like, try being a Christian Pfizer. as well. No one wants to talk to you after right, that. <laughs> even worse. But, um, you know, I was saying, like, I'm not, I'm not talking about Pfizer or J&J or whatever. Yeah, because, yeah. like, if you don't understand that, that mm. you can just go and read the law. Mm. The law says they've paid out 20 billion in fines for murdering people. Yeah. That's their business model. Yeah. They pay 10% of what they make in fines. Mm. They got no problem... I'm not even talking about that. Right. I'm talking about this feels like good against evil, yeah. light against dark. I'm not a, I'm not a Bible person, no, sure. but this feels like the mark of the beast, yeah. right? This yeah. is it. You know, you always think, oh, this is crazy. Like, well, I'm going to have something in my hand and my head. And, uh, yeah, you yeah. couldn't see it. No. And then suddenly, you, you you know, it was there. And yeah. this this actually was, um, it was quite, it was quite uh, interesting for me because, I was so my wife's Polish, okay, and she she grew up in Poland and she grew up at the end of communism. Wow, yeah, yeah. So when we had all the lockdowns and everything, she said to me, "This is yeah, what happened. This is this it. is communism. Yeah, like yeah. this is this is what they did. They, they you know they put everyone against everyone else. They made that's everyone right. suspicious of everyone else, and yeah. that's how they used to control people. And um, so when the protest started, she st I was like, I ain't fucking going. I'm gonna mm. get arrested. She was like, I'm going. And yeah. she just used to go down there with her rucksack, with her camera, like the early ones when there was Amazing. hardly anyone there, get charged by the police and, yeah. you know, rushed and they kettled people just next to her. And because she, because she's still had a, like a Polish accent, mm. whenever anything happened, she would just like stand on her own and then they'd say, Are you all right? And she'd say, I've lost my husband. I don't know where he is. And they'll, move, they'll say, Oh, <laughs> you don't want to go over there. There's crazy people over there. We'll go to the tube station. Oh, she's smart. Yeah. Yeah. But she, she did like, I think probably the first two or three on her own, the, the, the that million mosque, the million night mosque, one, like all of those. Yeah, and yeah. I was, and I, that one, I even got to about Camden town on the tube and I was like, fuck this, I'm going home. Mm. And I just, I said, listen, I'm not going, I'm coming, I'm coming yeah, home yeah. again. But the first one that I actually went to, because I, I was still very adamantly against everything. Yeah. And I was working and I was talking to people and everything else. So, you know, Gosha was very anti what was going on. I had a couple of friends who were the same. My mum was the same. Mm. She was like, I'm not doing anything. Yeah. And, um, but when I actually went to the first protest that I went to, which was, one of the big ones must be like seven, eight hundred thousand people. Sure, yeah. And I, I remember coming out of the tube. I think it was at Hyde Park or 
Oxford Street or somewhere, you know, because they closed, they closed like a couple of the tube stations to yeah. make it harder to link up. They so do we that, had, man. Yeah, that's right. At the last yeah. minute, we had yeah. to change stations. But I remember just walking out and just seeing that many people, old people, young people, these wheelchairs, mm. kids, whatever, and just being like, there's fucking loads of us. Yeah. Like there's loads. It's not just the assholes like me who no, are like I'm right. not doing it. No, no. There's loads, no. loads Tons. of people who were just like, no, this is yeah, because people people wanted to keep their businesses, man. Do you know what I mean? And that's what I was mostly involved in. Um, was um, yeah, I was involved in the, the grand reopening, um, like quite a lot. Hmm. Um, there was. And I thought this was the best way to go about it because what I started doing was, first of all, my research. So what bemused me was that everything was there in black and white on the government website. So I wasn't going to wear a mask, um, but I also wasn't going to lie, right? So I remember like processing this, you know what I mean? Because I'm like, I'm not going to sin, do you know what I mean? And, and lie about something just to get my own way. So I'm going to read through these government guidelines. And if there's nothing in there that says to me that I'm, I, I don't need to wear a mask, um, then, I'm, then I've got to abide by this, right? I've got to wear a mask on my conscience, you know. And um, I was just there in black and white. Mask exemptions. I read through the list. I'm like, well, I don't have asthma. It said very, very clearly, um, if putting on or taking off a mask causes severe distress. And I'm like, yeah, it does cause me severe distress because I don't want to be muzzled. I don't want to be restricted. It causes me distress. I was like, okay, so what can I do about that? I surely must have to go to a doctor and surely must have to go and get like written off or something. It says in black and white, you do not need an exemption. You do not need, you can print one off if you want to, but you do not have to. There is no such thing as a medical certificate from a doctor. They will not give you one. You do not need one. And I'm like, what you're basically saying then is you're exempt if you say you are and you don't have to prove it. So I'm now going into Sainsbury's and stuff and I'm watching people like hysterically around me and I'm like, how can I stop them from attacking me? Because what I'm, it's, it's every time I went into Sainsbury's, can you put on a mask, please? I was like, I'm medically exempt. I don't have to. Have you got an exemption thing? And I'm like, listen, this feels like so intimidating. So I did some more research and then I realized that under the Equality Act of 2010, that whether it's a private property or not, every single person in that building um, of Sainsbury's and that corporation has personally signed the Equality Act under their employment contract. And under the Equality Act of 2010, you cannot discriminate against anybody for having a disability. And in this instance, me having a medical, medical it's there on the government website, yeah. you're medically exempt. If you, if you, yeah, so now I've got this medical condition according to the government website that I never had before, but now I do. Um, that means that I don't have to wear a mask. So I, I printed it, all of this off and laminated it. And as soon as somebody challenged me, I was like, and I feel myself doing this. I was like, security guards were challenging me. As soon as they said to me, um, can you, uh, can you give me your medical exemption? I'm like, I don't need to carry one. You do. As soon as they said you do, and I said, and they were like, you need to leave the store if, if you're not going to do one. I said, well, you need to go and get your, your manager over right away. And I was giving them this thing. Now, the managers, bar none, were saying, oh, yeah, no, we're fully aware of this. 
And then they were immediately going and training on the spot, their security guards and saying, you don't like, you, you have to let them in. Mm. If they say they're, cause I'm like, yeah, because you're liable for a 9,000 pound fine, which all of a sudden you started seeing people winning cases against, you know? Um, and so I'm like, this is just, I kept on saying to people, it's like the veil is like smoke. It's like, you blow it. And all of this structure just comes falling down around its knees because they know that they, they can't, they can't, they've got, they ain't got legs to stand on. Yeah. I mean, it is, it, it, it really was that thing of the great reset against the great awakening. Yeah. Right? That when you try really, for whatever reason, they decided, right, we just got to go for it. Yeah. So many people just said, hang on a minute, what? Mm. Like, I thought this, I thought this was just the crazy people that were saying this, right. this or this or that or that. But actually, they're trying to do it. Yeah. It's not It's not made up. They are trying to do this and they are spraying this and they mm, are injecting mm, that. And mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the, you know, the thing that, that, I mean, just you saying that has, has kind of reminded me because it's yeah. been a while now yeah, right, right, since yeah, it will come right. out. I mean, my, I, I and work. I think it's important to keep talking about it because you know what, like, like there is this current, there is this trend of like, well, it's done now, right? So now everyone goes back to sleep, right? And everyone goes back to work and everyone, and we just thought, and this is how they get away with it. Yep. Is because everyone just stops talking about it. And it's like, oh, what? I can order from Amazon again now. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I can go to pizza. Okay. I can do this thing. Oh, I can go back to work. Oh, I can work from home. Oh, okay. Well, fine. Well then no worries. Yeah. Well, well, no. Like, what about the time literally a year, <laughs> a year and a half ago when the government just became the most tyrannical system that we've ever experienced? Think, this was communism. I think that is, that is, um, you know, we've we've become um, our brains have been rewired. Yeah. A to just listen to whatever's the thing in the morning. Yeah, you know, because right. we because it went from from COVID, like literally, COVID from whenever it was Tuesday to Wednesday, mm. it went. Yeah. It was like still on Tuesday. Here's the death figures. Here's that you know. It's like a V for Vendetta. It yeah, was like that it kind was, of thing. Man. Here's the figures. How many people died? Yeah, Britain is a great country. We're yeah. closing the airport. Wednesday, stay at home, stay, save lives. Like the, yeah. You know, yeah, Wednesday yeah. was like Ukraine. Yeah, I was like, what? What? I thought it was COVID. It literally switched it over. Just, it just went, and but then you just saw everybody just went from you know, masks and standing on stickers and one-way system around the supermarket yeah. to having a yellow and blue, yellow and blue flag. flag like they didn't even know where know. Ukraine was. I know, I know. It and made me so mad. It was it was unbelievable. Yeah. It was literally unbelievable. And, and, and even then, again, you know, coming to what you were saying earlier, mm. that it's been wall-to-wall, you know, Ukraine, Ukraine, Putin, bad, Zelensky, good, this, that, blah, 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 mm. we need to send them weapons. And then what, the Queen died... Yeah, and then it was like, what? What happened to Ukraine? Yeah, like it just uh, don't worry about that. Yeah. We'll come back to that in a couple of weeks. Yeah, if if we we're ever doing, do, if we ever do, yeah. we're doing we're doing the Queen now. Yeah, and 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 I think on the one hand, we we we've really through that because um, the COVID, I think, was like the the big experiment. Mm. Like, can we get everyone to just do the most batshit craziness? Yeah, and think that it's in their best interests. Mm. Yes, we can. And this is the thing. It's like, like, I don't want to put my finger on this and like 100%, right? Say that there's some, say, say that there's some cabal out there, right? That's trying to, but a man. I'll say it. If the, yeah, you can. There is. But I'm like, yeah. And I believe there is as well. But it's like, man, the point I was, I was trying to make is that like, 
they couldn't have planned it any flipping better if there was. Do you know what I mean? Because the first thing that, that I saw, like the first thing that shocked me is like 7 billion people just did exactly what they were told. Yes. Yeah, like it's literally. Un, it's incredible. I saw no protest to begin with. Do you know what I mean? I saw, I saw like some of the most, um, you know, like um, switched on kind of nations. Do you know what I mean? That were like, no, 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 we don't bother doing Australia, man. I mean, when you see what's what's kind of still going on in Australia, went, and I was like, they went what you mean? You mean crazy. barbecues on the beach and surfing? What now? They're just like a complete like far right totalitarian thing going yeah. on over there. So we've got far left over here, you know. Even though we we're under Tory, this is what I've been trying to get across to people, man. It's like there's there's a there's a there's a a really dangerous mix going on because we've got like a right wing government. But in, in our politics, so our politics are very right at the moment, very right wing. Yet in our society and through our social media and through our education, you've got not just far left, you've got radical far left. So you've got this twisted mix of like, you know, we've got a, 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 a far, not far right, but we've got a right wing government and then this far left society. Do you know what I mean? And I keep talking to people about how, you know, we're living under the far left. They're like, what do you mean the far left, man? Like, we've got a Tory government. How can we be far? I'm like, you don't understand, man. Like, you need to go and read the Kulag Archipelago. Do you know what I mean? Like, you need to read those books. Like, you need to read um, what happened in Stalinist Russia. You know, you need to read what happened in, man. you know, never mind forgive me for saying this, but I don't mean never mind. What I mean is, yes, Ukraine's going on. We've forgotten about Afghanistan. That's still going on. Do you know what I mean? But besides all of that, do we still not recognise that there is literally the worst concentration camp happening at this moment right now in North Korea? And nobody's going to do a thing about it, you know, because, I mean, I listened to um, a lady called Yomi Park, um, who was um, interviewed by Jordan Peterson, by Lex Friedman and by Joe Rogan. And that chilled me to the bone. To hear her story of how she escaped like a total communist dictatorship to the point where they're having to like give up a ton, like a metric ton of their own feces every quarter to the, to the, to the, um, to the party in order that they can grow the food for themselves and not give, and while they're keeping their people in starvation and they're getting murdered because they're unable to donate that, um, that amount of human crap because they're starving hungry. And it's like, and she escaped all of that to then go into an American university where she was told that, um, Oh, bless you. Like you need, you need to censor yourself. You know, you need to re-educate yourself because that guy holding the door open for you is actually toxic masculinity, right? And it's like her story is should be the greatest wake-up call that that for, for the world. You know what I mean, that, that we've got right now. Mm. I mean, this is the warning, man. I mean, Peterson talks about it so much. He says, like, we know when the right has gone too far because we know what it looks like, right? We don't mm. let the right go too far. Mm. We don't let the BNP rise up anymore. We don't let the National Front or EDL rise up anymore. They they get certain, you know, way and then we're like, no, 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 no. Now you're attacking races and so now you've got to stop right away. We know the left can go too far because we've got examples of that in, in China and in Russia and in North Korea, but we don't know when. And like my belief as 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 is many other of the kind of what I guess you call the intellectual dark webs kind of belief is that when you start 
like mandating speech. Um, when you start um, with all of these kind of lockdowns and all of these things, like it's gone too far, mm. you know? But how do we how do we pull it back? Because like you say, you know, they I mean literally just yeah. you saying about the the mosques and going into supermarkets as I was saying it, I I I work my my uh, practice that I work in is in the back of Tesco's. Yeah, yeah. So I had right. that every day right. walking in without a mask. Yeah. And everybody looking at me and whatever, they had police at the front of the store for a few weeks. Wow. Wouldn't let me in to work without a mask. And I was yeah. saying, I'm not wearing one. And I had a big argument about trying to get in to do my job. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but even I, you know, had I'd kind of forgotten like how it was until you just yeah, had yeah. reminded me. Yeah, it was me. like that. It was traumatic, man. And but this is this is. I mean, how do we how do we deal with this? Because. Even someone like me who's who's into it and I'm still, you know, angry about it and blah, mm, blah, blah. Mm. But even I'd kind of like, oh, was it that bad? I can't really remember. It was a couple mm, of years ago mm. now. And actually, you know, it's... Uh, and, and we, yeah, we, 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 we're going in a direction that's very insidious and very difficult to kind of, like you say, to, yeah. to detect. Yeah. You know, it's just like a little gradual, like I think David Icke calls it the totalitarian tiptoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. just sneaky, little sneaky, sneaky. Little by bit, bit yeah. by bit, yeah, yeah. I mean, how do we, how do we address it? How do we deal with it? You see, I mean, the first thing that, that I think needs to be addressed is that we need to stop living this life where it's thy will be done. Or, 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 or sorry, not thy will be done. Uh, what is that Alistair Crowley thing? Uh, do as thou wilt, yeah? Mm -hmm. um, that that law of, um, of that you are the most important person in the world. I think that's the first thing that we need to cease as, as a society, right? Because when we take the focus off of ourselves and start thinking about other people and start, you know, living our lives in service, you know, um, for others, um, I think then we're guided in a totally different way, no matter what your belief systems are. Do you know what I mean? I think if you start living that way for other people selflessly, then um, the guidance that you need, I believe will come to you, right? Um, I think the second thing we have to do is start focusing on truth, on about what, what not your truth, my truth, you know, a truth, like the truth is to start understanding if all of us ask that question, you know, what is the truth, right? Like, what is the truth? Um, and then really challenging all of that to the point where, you know, it's like, what did um, Arthur Conan Doyle, Sherlock Holmes said, when you eliminate everything that is impossible, whatever is left, no matter how improbable must be the truth, hmm. right? So that's what we need to start doing in order to find the truth. We have to start, you know, eliminating what is impossible um, in order to, to gain. Like, I, I believe that's our biggest threat at the moment is, is this attack on truth. Um, and it's, it's, this is this postmodernist post idea, you know, that, um, that our reality is basically conjured up of, of, of our minds. I mean, we could do basically whatever, whatever we like is that um, my reality is basically relative to nothing you know this idea that um we also need to like start reading about history we really do man we need to start reading about history that's outside of um the the current curriculum you know start learning about russia about china about these com these kind of places where you know like hundreds of millions of people you know were slaughtered 
how do we make sure that we're not going to become one of those people, you know? One of the, the, the most powerful things um, I think that, that Peter's... I went to see Jordan Peterson the other night and he didn't talk about it then, but one of the most powerful things that he said is everybody thinks that we would never be a guard at Auschwitz, right? We, we wouldn't. We would just... We're too good for that. We're too more... We could never be hoodwinked like that, right? But history says that that's not the truth. History says that you would have been, man. Like... Because when you're when you're threatened with like what they were threatened with, you know, then then you would have done it. And here's one of the most frightening facts as well: is that not only have you got a high chance that you would have been, but there's also a high chance that you would have found a way to have enjoyed it. And I think we need to start understanding that about exactly who we are as human beings, because when we start really facing those dark, horrible, like facts about ourselves as who we are as humans and start understanding that we have the ability to do the most atrocious things so how then do we stop ourselves from doing it um that's where i believe true power comes you know like it says man it's better to be um a warrior in a garden than it is to be a gardener in a war you know it's best to be to understand to really go in cole jung said this man like man would do the most insane things rather than face himself, you know? We've got to start looking in the mirror and facing ourselves and facing the shadow self of looking at our prejudices and our, you know, phobias and all of that dark stuff that we just don't want to listen to. We don't want to look at. Mm. Society is built to distract us from that. Because, man, the moment we sit down in front of... I mean, how many times do the people these days just sit in on their own in a room, you know, with no distractions on? Most people will go mad. Mm. because we don't practice doing that mm. you know we don't practice being still being you know the bible says be still and know that i am god which to me says that i can't know that you're god unless i am still mm. because while all this madness is whirling around us unless i find some stillness in all of that storm it's very difficult to be able to see you know what's what's true and what's false um and once we've kind of got familiar with the fact that we too you know could uh, you know could take enjoyment as a flipping you know guard in Auschwitz that we have the potential within us to be tricked and hoodwinked and sold a lie that much then we might be able to stand a chance at making sure that never happens of making sure that was the thing that was with me that's why I was kind of getting into the protest is because I was like I need to because I was aware of it do you know what I mean? I was aware that um, that this is coming. Do you know what I mean? That they're, they're trying to set us up for something a lot bigger. If they're not doing it right now, then they're queuing it up for down the road. Um, and it's like, they're coming. And I need to make sure that I'm going to stand firmly on my faith because the first thing is, is I believe that that's the next thing that they're going to start coming for. And secondly, um, is I need to make sure that when that call to, um, you know, to... Um, to start watching out for my neighbor, you know, to start um, grassing up my neighbors, um, to start reporting people to the police for some form of reward, you know, when that call comes that I'm going to be wise to it, you know, it's, it's honestly, man, I think we do need to educate ourselves like a lot more as a society. 
I think almost in a way, like even the, you know, the way to way of protesting as well for me has changed so much, man. I mean, in the nineties, I was on the streets, mate. I was like, you know, throwing half bricks at cops. I was at the battle of Trafalgar in the nineties against the kill the bill thing. I was kettled there. I watched people getting their heads smashed in. Do you know what I mean? And all of that stuff. And like, partly one of the things that stopped me from going to this big protest that I was talking about earlier is, is the reality of that is like, these pre-planned routes, man, mm. you know? It's like, what I was more interested in doing is on an individual basis, you know, of going around with flyers, knocking on businesses' doors, saying, do you realise that every single court case so far that has been brought up um, is, first of all, been backlogged by about 10, 11 months. So even if you get, like, a fine right now for opening your business, that's probably not going to get heard until, like, 2023. 2023 mm. um secondly every single one of those cases has been thrown out mm. I, I happened to stumble upon this weird um like zoom thing that was broadcast and it was like the chief of police there and, and they were saying it on there they were like every single one of the cases that had gone to court has been thrown out because they all knew the government knew the police knew they yeah. all knew it was they, illegal they what they do were doing yeah but they just relied on the fact that people yeah. are they don't yeah. actually pay a lot of attention no. below okay what does it tell me it tells me to do this okay i'm, I'm gonna do that yeah and most people didn't look any deeper i mean yeah. you know like you say the, about the um wearing the masks yeah it said on the government website i mean i had, yeah. I, I had a 10 12 minute argument with these two policemen trying to get into the store yeah where they were saying to me, no, you need to have a proof. And I was saying, I don't. Yeah. It's the government website. It's and there they, on the thing. They were like, no, we're taking your details down. Did you be ill prepared, man? I had that I had that thing yeah. with me, like, on, on lock every single day. I was, like, ready to show you. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, was, it, was, it was, uh, was not good. It was not good. No, no. But, um, well, so, I mean, I guess now we just... Uh, just wait and see what's next. Yeah. Which is kind of life anyway, right? Yeah. Just yeah. wait and see what's what's next. I mean, man, like I you know, the thing I'm most interested in is is a local is a local level. Do you know what I mean? Um what I was getting involved in was very much about, you know, one to one stuff. Mm. It was about, you know, going over literally physically going over to that um to my local supermarket first of all to re-educate their security cards yeah. second you know eat one one by one secondly it was about you know going up to individual businesses and trying to empower them you mm. know mm. do you do you feel like you know if you can are, are you gonna like lose your entire business because of these uh, regulations because if so then there is something you can do about that mm. and trying to empower them because all they were hearing was the narrative and i think there's very little that can be done on social media uh, in regards to this. Very little, Gathering numbers, yeah, maybe. Do you know what I mean? But in terms of like having a real impact on re-education and trusting, you know, and, and getting people to trust what you're saying and what you're doing, that has to be done on an individual level. Mm. Um, and we don't want to do that anymore. We don't want to go out and door knock and, do you know what I mean, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, all we want to do is, you know, just post it on social media and hope that takes off. But... Um, for me, yeah, it is about like just helping people out, man. Like just helping people. Um, but I think ultimately, like I said, my wife got, got very frustrated with me during, during lockdown because she was like, look, I understand what you're saying, you know, but ultimately like we've just got to trust, you know, in, in God that, that he'll get us through this. And like, she was so right. You know what I mean? But 
On the other hand, I'm just one of those people that I can't stand to see like human beings suffer. Mm. And I feel like I've got to do something about that. And I don't believe that that's unbiblical. Do you know what I mean? I think that we are supposed to. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I'm sure you, I'm sure you and everyone else knows that the, 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 the little story, there's a, there's a flood and there's mm. a guy there and he's like balanced on top of his house. He's nearly, you know, the water's nearly come up. Yeah, yeah. And he says, please, God, save me. Yeah, and yeah. Then, yeah. It's I a mean, great story. Yes. But so, so I think, you know, you, you do trust in the plan. Yeah. But that doesn't, you're part of it. Exactly that. So you've got to do your bit. Yeah, yeah. You've got to, you've got to get up and do your I, bit. I believe that it says like that the God helps those that can't help themselves. So then does that mean that, that he doesn't help those that can, you know, that can help themselves? Yeah. And I think there's there's some truth in that. I mean, um, you know, more recently I'm getting very comfortable with the idea that, you know, I do have so much free will. Do you know what I mean? Like there is so much I can do. I used to, I used to sit around waiting for my calling. Oh, mm. have I been called by God to do this? Like, mm. you know, and actually like, yeah, I think everything I do is for God anyway. You know, um, everything I do is through the love of, of Christ. And, um, and I try and make sure everything that I do is that. So that gives me so much freedom, you know, and I think unless I, you know, unless I really start getting involved, I, I mean, I don't believe that, you know, protesting, as I was saying earlier, man, I don't believe that protesting on that sort of mass level um, is ever that effective anymore. Um, it looks great. Do you know what I mean? It might feel like you're, you're kind of doing something at the time, but, and I'm not saying that people shouldn't do it because if we all just thought, oh, let's not bother protesting, that's not the solution either. But I think we've got to be smarter, mm. you know, about, about in terms of like how to resist tyranny, like I think we do have to be smarter. Um, and, and I believe that that's on a local level. You know, beautiful. I think yeah. that's a good place to yeah. wind it up for tonight. Nice. It's been great talking with you. Yeah, it's an amazing conversation. Yeah, thank I, you. I, I, I felt maybe that we would kind of go in this direction, but you know, yeah, yeah. You never know till you start talking. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So, I mean, definitely. I feel, I feel like I could go on for, for yeah, ages come, come as well, Come back and man, do so another one. I'm sure I mean, there's I've, more I've, in me, bro. I've been accused, you know, of letting them run on too long. So I'm, sure. I'm conscious to try to time, stop time it a little there. bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we, we definitely will we'll, we'll do another one. So I'm sure Great. we've got loads of other stuff to I, I love talk these, about. I love these things. I love the fact that you've got listeners here that will have stayed, you know, the whole duration of this podcast. And hopefully that's the case. Um, and I love the fact that that proves that we've got more than you know a 10-15 minute attention span um that these long form conversations are getting way more popular yeah um and i think that's so healthy man um yeah to rewire back to yeah. a longer attention yeah. span we don't need i mean these things are being lapped up man um three four hour podcasts are like the top of spotify list spotify yeah. list right yeah. now and um who thought we needed a break every 10 minutes right <laughs> yeah, well, the, the advertisers. Yeah, the you know, advertisers. The sharks, right? right? To the bring sharks. it right back to back the, to the sharks, sharks, man. Yeah, there's always sharks. Those. We yeah. don't need them sharks. Yeah. So, fantastic. Thanks for coming down. Thanks so for welcome. Talking. Thanks for having me. Um, thanks for listening, guys. And uh, as as always, if you enjoyed it, normally I say if you enjoyed it, share it with two people. But I think this one you need to share it with a million people, whether you enjoyed it or whether you didn't. So do that and we'll catch you next time. Yeah. Rap is such a competitive sport uh -huh. And my glasses still on, it's the incredible dog uh -huh. <laughs> They wanna try me like the federal court But I'm unashamed of the gospel I never